This is Glenn Craig of Free From Broke and the Money Mastermind Show. You're about to have your face blown off with financial goodness from Eric Rosenberg and the Personal Profitability Podcast. Don't say I didn't warn you. You're listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast, where you'll learn how to earn income, live better, and put your money to work for you. Here's your guide on your path to personal profitability, Eric Rosenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast. So excited to have you here for episode number 14 because it feels like just yesterday I was recording episode number one. Uh, I'm thinking back longingly. It was actually just about six, seven months ago. It wasn't that long ago. But I am excited to have made it this far. You know, I see a lot of podcasters give it a go and uh, give up, but I'm committed to bringing you the very best personal finance tips that I have and I can bring you. So thank you for those who've been with me from the beginning, for those who are listening to their first episode today. I love all of you. Thank you so much for being a part of it. I really uh, I couldn't do it without you guys give me the motivation to keep going. So today, um, before we get started, as usual, I want to give you an opportunity to hit the pause button, go grab your favorite adult beverage of choice, and uh, come back and give me a cheers. So here's your chance to hit pause. Okay, pause is over. If you uh, obviously, you know, if you're in a car at work, you can't probably be drinking. Uh, definitely can't drink and drive, or probably can't drink on the job unless you have a really cool job. I know I can't drink at my day job, but I can drink while recording a podcast and personal finance should be fun. It shouldn't be something that you dread. Uh, today, I, I know I've always had a beer every single episode so far, but I'm mixing it up today. I have a glass of red wine here and it was a cheap red wine I got at Trader Joe's. Um, not two buck chuck. I did a little better than that this time. I decided to try one of their Bordeaux's. Uh, you know, it's, it's a French red wine. It was like five or six dollars for the bottle and um I'm about to have my very first sip of it. So here's a cheers and uh, we'll see how it is. It's okay. Not great. Definitely got, uh, definitely good enough for it for a six, $7 bottle of wine though. I'm, I'm impressed with that. That tastes like maybe even a $10 bottle of wine. Whoa. <laughs> so anyway, um, let's get, get into it. As you, uh, as you could probably tell, I don't have a guest with me today. This is actually my second full-length episode I'm recording solo, so we'll see how it goes. Normally, I've uh, done those uh, short episodes, which I've more or less stopped doing unless you drop me a question that I feel is really awesome. I um, will definitely still answer all those audio questions on the Ask Eric page, but uh, for today, I wanted to talk about something that is really big on the blog this week. Just uh, earlier this week on Monday, I released my newest complete beginner guide post, which um, is a series I've started working on. It didn't start as a series. It was something I decided to make a series as I saw how successful some of these posts were. And this one is called the complete beginner guide to freelancing. So as I've mentioned a few times before, I make about $30,000 per year outside of my day job that I can use to do whatever I want to do. It's my own money. Uh, it, we actually save about $30,000 a year in our retirement accounts and savings accounts. So it's it's pretty much what I'm making on the side that is funding our retirement. And it's, um, it's a much bigger percent of income than I could save 
if I were just saving from you know, from the income I make from my day job alone, obviously this is a, a big chunk of change, and uh, I'm I'm very proud of what I've built here, and I want to share the the tricks that I used to get from zero dollars a year to this thirty thousand dollars a year I made last year. My goal this year is actually forty thousand dollars. We'll see if I make it. You know, actually post an update every month on the blog saying exactly how much money I made online, and I am. Not quite on track for that forty thousand dollar goal. I have to admit, I'm I'm running low, but I'm definitely on track to at least hit thirty thousand dollars again. So that's um, that's something that I think is 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 braggable, and I would love to see you guys have that bragging story as well. It's not it's not because I'm special. You know, I like to point that out, and a lot of people think, Eric, you know, you're different than me. How do you do this? And it, it really just comes down to hard work and planning. And that's it. You know, I'm not smarter than you. I'm not, I don't have anything that makes me specially. I've gone to school probably longer than most of you. I have, I have the MBA, but the MBA isn't what got me my freelancing gigs. It just makes me look a little fancier when I write those posts. I know plenty of successful freelancers who do much better than me. Um, and even people who started their own companies that make more than I do without a college degree even. My, um, I have a, a relative who just has a high school degree and he got really good at a particular skill and started a company around that and is able to do quite a bit more than just feed his family. So um, you can do this no matter what your education, no matter what your background, you can make money freelancing. And what's great about it that I love is you know anybody, when I say anybody can do it, I really mean anybody can do it. You don't if you have a full-time job like I do, you know, I, I still make money on the side. If you're a stay-at-home mom, a lot of uh, stay-at-home mom uh, parents decided to start the the mommy blogger movement is what it built into, and they started their mom blogs. And um, there's so many different businesses, you know, people on Etsy, people on Fiverr. There's so many ways you can get started making that first dollar online or through whatever freelancing method you like. Uh, there's no excuse. The time is better than ever, and we have better resources than we've ever had before. So, you know, throw out the old idea of you have to make your living from a full-time job. You know, I, I do encourage that. I, I do it myself. I'm not saying go quit your job, but that old notion is now an old notion. You don't have to rely on an employer that you'll go work for your whole career, and you know, pensions are long gone. No, no companies are paying out pensions anymore. I actually started my career um, after I worked in the bank. I went into a telecom company and I was there for the final months of the pension plan there. So I actually did earn a few months of pension contributions, which um, when I left the company ended up being about $2,000 I got to put into my retirement account. So definitely not enough that I could have lived on it. But you know, pensions are gone and freelancing is a growing movement. You know, there's a whole freelancer economy now it's people out there who just don't care to go work for the same boss every day, five days a week, year after year. They want to work from Chiang Mai in Thailand. That's a really popular freelancer haven or on a beach in Mexico where your cost of living is lower or um, you know, wherever, you want, wherever you want to live in the world. Freelancing, especially online freelancing, gives you total flexibility to control your hours within some reason. You know, some some clients might want you to work certain hours, but generally you're pretty flexible when you work. You're flexible where you work. You can work as much or as little as you want as long as you 
meet your client requirements to get paid. So um, you know you can really take control of how you make money with freelancing. So even uh, actually had uh, on my last episode we interviewed Martin Dasko, who's a um, he's a full time online income earner and a professional wrestler. Something I think is totally awesome. And he started his first freelancing income like a lot of us did, you know, babysitting or mowing a lawn, which he started with uh, lawn care and, and newspaper delivery. And that idea of when you might have babysat when you were younger, I was a babysitter when I was in uh, middle school and high school. That is the mindset that you need in freelancing today. It's just the platforms and the tools have changed a bit. And, you know, some of you might even still be babysitting. There's good money to be made in that industry. So I don't want to knock it. Um so let's let's really dive in and try to understand how you can make that first dollar. That's really my challenge of this episode is when you're done listening, you will go take a step and earn your first freelance dollar. And if you're already making freelance money, that's double awesome. Well, let's try to increase your rate or find one new client. So those are my challenges to you, a call to action, if you will what you should do at the end of this episode. And if you're listening while at a computer, I won't be offended if you miss a few words because you start working while you're listening. You can do that. I, uh, I give you permission. Though if you want to listen intently, that's cool too. Um, that's why I'm here. So the freelance economy, again, it is, is a, it's a great thing. Um, there's a really great site called the Freelancers Union. That's a place that has a lot of tools for freelancers to get started out. I'm actually taking a note right now to put it in the show notes. Um, I'm going to put a link to that. It, uh, it'll be at personalprofitability.com slash episode 14, spelled out E-P-I-S-O-D-E-1-4. So the Freelancers Union has a ton of great resources for freelancers to find healthcare and all these other statistics about freelancing that are great. Um, but, but they're mostly tools and things for you as a freelancer to learn how to do your job better and earn more income. So that's a, a great site I want to give a shout out to that's become kind of the center of the freelancer economy from, from my outside perspective, though there is no real central spot because it's, um, you know, each, each worker can do exactly what they want. So let's start with your uh, your journey to your first dollar. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call it that throughout the episode, even if you're already a freelancer. I'm still talking to you, but um, I'm going to call it the journey to the first dollar. So first, what you need to do is you need to pick a skill. Something that you can do that you are good at and you enjoy doing, ideally, that someone is willing to pay you to do. That's really all you need to get started. You need a skill that someone is willing to pay you to do for them. And yeah, this is kind of goes against the passive income idea, which is something that I, I would enjoy. But I just, I don't see as many people successfully building passive income. You know, there's a lot of buzz about it and great sites about it. But every time I've tried to make passive income, it just hasn't worked. So coming back to uh, what is essentially trading dollars for hours, that's what, that's what a lot of freelancing is. Um, that's where you, that's where I'm seeing the biggest gains. That's where I'm making the most of my online income. The bulk of that $30,000 is from freelancing. It's not from personalprofitability.com though. I'd love to see that income grow to $30,000 a year. That is not making nearly that much. It's really my freelance writing and freelance web design that's building the bulk of my online income. And how I started freelancing, I'm, I'm going back to how I picked my skill to be a freelancer. 
Uh, it started with me actually starting my first blog when I was in college. My first blog I ever started was just kind of a personal journal using Blogger before Google ever bought it. And uh, I just wrote my thoughts and wrote about politics and the economy and why I'm awesome, things like that. Obviously, not many people read it, but it was the start of my blogging. From there, I, I built other websites and blogs. Um, even before this one, this, this blog used to be called Narrow Bridge Finance, which I started in 2008. But I'd started other blogs before that. I think in 2007, that summer was when I really started my first blogging. And I was really stubborn, as I often am, and was not willing to pay anybody a penny for anything until I made enough money to cover the cost, which going back, if I'd invested a little money earlier on, I probably would have grown my income a lot faster as earlier on rather than taking as long as it did. But the benefit of me being stubborn and wanting to do everything myself was that I had learned how to do everything involved in creating a website. So once my uh, once Narrow Bridge Finance got big enough that I decided, okay, I'm going to put the money in to move off of the Blogger platform, which is free. Get my own .com domain name with my own WordPress.org. It's the self-hosted WordPress hosting. Uh, the cost to do that ends up being you know sixty, seventy dollars a year. So in the long run, not that much money. And if you think about how many hours you people put into their blogs and websites. My hourly <laughs> return on that was, um, it was a no brainer. You know, if I were going to spend you know hundred hours a year on something that I'm so too cheap to put $10 into to buy a .com domain, you know, that, that'd be crazy. And I, I say that to a lot of bloggers. I see people who put, you know, their heart and soul into their blog and they won't even spring, you know, $7 and 50 cents after a coupon code to get your .com domain, you know, do that, you know, take the steps, make yourself look professional out there. I know that's a little tangent, but let's come back to it. Um, I put the money in and got my blog moved to my own hosting, my own .com. And I did all of that technical work to move my blog from blogger to WordPress and the imports and the redirects and all the technical stuff behind moving a website. I did it all myself and I learned how to do it. I created, you know, I, I started with the free WordPress themes. A lot of people do that. And over time, I learned how to customize them and improve my HTML skills. I actually had started HTML in high school. It was, was when I started self-teaching. Uh, but you need a little more than just HTML to, to run current websites. And they run on other codes with things like CSS, which is a cascading style sheet, and PHP, that's the um, dynamic language behind WordPress websites like this one. So I, you know, I learned all this stuff, all this knowledge. And people, I started getting involved with communities of other finance bloggers and was telling friends about what I was doing. And people seemed to be excited about these skills that I had about you know, how to build a blog and a website up. So I, people asked me for help and I said, oh yeah, sure, I'm happy to help you out. I helped a bunch of friends get their website started, I helped a handful of, uh, of other personal finance bloggers move their websites from Blogger to WordPress or do little tweaks or upgrades on their sites. And uh, eventually I realized, you know, people are coming to me for help again and again and again, but I'm not charging anything. Maybe I could start a business of this. So I started charging people uh, initially way too little. <laughs> I, I was, after I stopped doing it for free, it was um, just, just enough to help cover my beer tab, things like that. I wasn't trying to get rich on it. And 
my skill set kept expanding. I kept trying new and different things. And eventually I was able to start charging a more premium rate up to multiple thousands of dollars per website. So that skill started just for me enjoying building websites. And my freelance writing business started kind of similarly. I, uh, you know, I was, I was writing blog posts all the time. And you know, sometimes when I, when I was early on, I was, they were shorter and not as good posts, but I was trying to hold myself to one blog post every single day, at least five days a week, uh, sometimes seven days a week. So yeah, they were shorter, but I was writing, I was practicing, I was getting better at it. I was honing my abilities. And, um, as I got better and better, I started writing guest posts on other blogs and other websites, which uh, always is a good way to get your name out there to a new audience. You're giving that site good content as long as you provide a good quality post. And it's a win-win for everybody as long as you're not doing it just to get spammy backlinks. But that's a that's another blog post. Uh, so, but again, my writing skills were improving. I was getting my name out there. People were starting to discover my website. And people actually started coming to me. I never asked anyone else. They said, oh, would you you know, write for this website at this uh, at this rate? And I thought, oh, sure. And I was, I was so excited. I was making like $20 a blog post. It was, you know, I, I was living the dream. You know, I was, I was doing it up, making money online. And I found over time that, that that skill was in demand by more people than just the ones who were coming to me. If I went and marketed myself, I could make even more money online and uh, raise my rates and get more clients. So I started doing it. um, Anytime I saw someone in a community I was involved in, which I'm very involved in the online personal finance blogging community. Anytime I saw someone looking for a freelancer, I would jump at it and say, oh yeah, here's uh, a few of my top posts I've done. I'd love to be part of your team. And I picked up a couple of good clients that I worked with for quite a while. And over time, my you know, my rates increased and my clients changed a bit. You know, I, I lost some old clients because they weren't willing to pay my new rate. And that was totally fine. You know, we, we wished each other well. I'm still friendly with, with some of them. Um, and I brought on new clients that were willing to pay more. And over time, that kind of rotated um, through through my clients and I built up a, a little portfolio of active clients who I still have today. I still write for uh, about a half a dozen different websites, some you know every month or two, some once or twice a week. So it really depends on what that client needs. But I was willing to put the work out to meet their needs and kept improving my skills and improving the value that I could provide for them so you know they they would get a good return on investment on what they paid me to do. So, but let's let's back up again. So we started with talking about how to pick your skills. So so I've told the story about how I picked the two skills that I freelance for. You might have the same skills. You know, if you're listening to this, you're obviously interested in um, some kind of techie internet things. Podcasting is a uh, is a more you know tech centered thing. So if you're into tech things. Think about tech things that you're good at that you might be able to charge people for. Are you the guy in your family or, or girl in your family that people come to all the time and say, hey, can you fix my computer? If you're able to, if they do that, it's because you're good at it. And if you're able to fix their computer, you're able to fix other people's computers too. That's a great business to be in. You, know, you can, uh, people can find you through Craigslist or your own website. If you use good search engine optimization for your 
immediate area for uh, for local search. Now, let's say you live in a town called, um, let's say Springfield, a little tribute to the Simpsons because we never really knew what state they lived in. Um, you know, there's a Springfield in every state. So let's say you are you want to be the number one uh, computer repair person or even you know just on the list of computer repair people in Springfield. And you want people, if they search for Springfield in your state, you want to come up on the listing so they can hire you. You build a website, you write some content, write some articles, you fill out your Google, um, your Google site owner information and claim your business, set up social media accounts, have things start funneling to your website. And eventually you'll see when people search, your website will come up if you do everything right. So that's a way for clients to find you. Or you could go out and advertise. Uh, think about the places people who need help with computers might be looking for computer help. You could go to, if you're active in a church or a synagogue, you can make a flyer and post it there. Maybe in nursing homes, you know, older people need help on their computers if you're willing to you know, be really patient and help them out. And in a local nursing home or assisted living facility is willing to let you post there. You can put up flyers there. You can go in your grocery store. If you're in a big city, small city, think about the places people go and congregate. It might look for help that you can provide. So we'll flip flip again to another business. Let's say you, uh, you're you really handy around the house and you can fix just about everything. You know, your your uh, mom calls to fix the garage door. Your cousin calls to help uh, install a new cabinet. Your sister calls to fix the... I don't know. I'm trying to think of things that can break in a house that you could fix. You know, change out a new toilet. That's something I've actually done myself. Maybe you could do be a handyman. You know, that's, a, that's another great freelance thing you can do on weekends. You can do on the side that could eventually grow into your own business. Or the same could go if you're a good plumber, electrical work, lawn care, um, even a laundry service. You, know, there, you could do almost anything as long as you can find someone willing to pay you to do it. You just have to get your name out there and start doing it. So I mean, we keep talking about earning our first dollar online. So I want to tell you how I earned my first dollar because it. I told you people reached out to me to write articles. That happened through my blog. But when I decided to look outside to make money for the first time online, I ended up landing on a website called eHow, which is still out there. It's owned by a company called Demand Studios, which built what are now called content farms, they're websites where they'd pay writers, you know, 10, 20 bucks an article to write tons of articles on every topic imaginable just to get them to rank high in Google. And then people would, you know, search for certain terms, go to those articles and click on ads and they'd make money, which let them pay me and have a profit. So those, um, they're still around. You can still go to Demand Studios and become a writer, though. I wouldn't recommend starting there anymore. I'd start your own blog first. But that was how I actually made my first freelance dollar online that wasn't someone who came and approached me through my blog. So there's other things you can do and other websites you can use to get your name out there and approach other companies to pay you as a freelancer. So if you want to be a writer, which which I've done, you can go to places like the ProBlogger job board at ProBlogger. It's a uh, jobs.problogger.com. I'm writing that one down also for the show notes. So you don't have to worry about it right now. Um, then there's a, a site called Media Bistro. That's another big one. You can go um, go find online writing jobs there. Also online graphic jobs, online editing jobs. 
all, all kinds of jobs. It's, it's a jobs website for any kind of media, video editing, video production, anything like that. So you can get out there and you'll find places that people are posting for jobs that align with your skills. You know, it might be Craigslist. There's really nothing wrong with that. If you are a skilled bookkeeper, Craigslist is a great place to find work. If you are a skilled handyman, Craigslist could be a great place to find work. You just want to be careful and vet out those uh, potential customers who contact you a little more than you would if you were at a, you know, I guess a more savory place. Craigslist, you know, there, there's some some dirty things that go on on other parts of Craigslist too, and everyone there's not so honest. But a lot of people are, and it's a great way to to make a few bucks. Uh, another great place to find clients are there's big freelancer websites that cater to anybody of any skill set. And my favorite is called Upwork. It used to be called Odesk. And there's other ones similar called, um, one's called Elance. Uh, I think there's a freelancer.com I've never used, but it's out there. So Upwork is one I've used. And I've, um, I think I've gotten hired on one job through there. So it hasn't been as huge for me, but I know I hire people through there quite a bit to help me with tasks. Now that I've grown big enough, I need freelancers to help me with things. So my freelancer that helps me at personalprofitability.com, her, uh, she goes by Z, that's her, um, her pseudonym she uses online. And I found Z through the, uh, through, oh, that was then Odesk still. And I was looking for someone who had good English skills and just kind of had a good grasp of how internet things work and wanted to do that type of work that I needed transcribing um, blog post promotion, social media, things that I was too busy to do or things that weren't my favorite thing to do on the website, but I'm willing to pay other people to do it. That's how I found um, that's how I found my VA and she's been doing a great job. I'm really thrilled with her. And um, if you need help like that, you can find them through, through Odesk. But if you want to do that kind of work, you can go there too and post your profile so someone like me might hire you. Now, the challenge with using a site like that, because it's global, you know, Z lives in another country where the cost of living is a little different. So I'm able to pay her less than if I were to hire someone from, say, you know, someone living in Manhattan where their rent is, you know, $4,000 a month or something crazy like that or San Francisco. So you are competing with people all around the world, people in, you know, there's people in the Philippines who will work for, you know, $4 an hour. There are people, or $3 an hour. I've seen, uh, I think I even saw one for two fifty an hour once is the lowest. And I, you know, I pay, you know, more than quite a bit more than two fifty an hour, but you know, there's, you have to find the right balance of the skills you offer and what people are willing to pay. So that can be a challenge for, United States-based uh, freelancers or even EU-based freelancers where the cost of living can be higher than places like Southeast Asia or India or the Philippines. But the workers that I've found in those countries can be great too. So um, good resource for me, potentially a good resource for you too. But you know, also think about how you can differentiate yourself from those workers around the world. You know, If you are a native English speaker and you speak impeccable English and have great grammar skills. You know, if you paid attention in, uh, in high school English class, um, you can demand a higher rate than those international workers because of your English skills. And the same goes if you have special skills around, let's say you have accounting skills. If you're an accountant full-time for your day job and you have a CPA, maybe on evenings and weekends, you could do bookkeeping for local businesses or 
um, financial analysis projects. People hire for that type of job on sites like Odesk and people are willing to pay a premium if you have the right skills and English, um, English skills included in that to do those jobs. So really think big and also think about who you're competing against and the best way to, um, to show your value because that's what people are going to hire. They're not going to hire you because they like you. They're going to hire you because you get the job done and give them the best return on that investment that they make in you. So, um, you know, if you're going to charge too much, they're, they're going to go somewhere else. But if you're going to charge a lot and deliver an awesome result, um, then you're worth paying a lot. So think about that. Uh, next, we want to really market yourself. So as I said, on um, places like Upwork and the Pro Blogger Job Board and Media Bistro, you really need to get yourself out there as much as you can. And I know marketing isn't a natural thing to a lot of people. Obviously, I'm sitting here just talking, talking, talking. So I, I don't have any problem with people skills. But you really want to get out there and network as much as you can. I know there's, there's a lot of places you can do that online. Um, you can look to specific maybe Facebook groups. There are Facebook groups and forums that are dedicated to all sorts of different topics. If you can find a really good active Facebook group to be a part of where you can contribute and become a recognized contributor in that group, then when people are looking to hire, you can say, oh, yeah, I do that. And and they might be more likely to hire you or give you references for a job. You know, talk to your friends and family. Like my, uh, I have a, a relative who is totally awesome graphic designer. She did the graphic design for moneymola.com. I'll, I'll give her a shout out. Her name's, she's at elizabethwillheight.com. It's my sister-in-law. She does awesome graphic work. And whenever, because of our relationship, whenever I see a, uh, graphic project come through. I say, oh yeah, talk to uh, talk to my sister-in-law at elizabethwillheight.com. And I know she's gotten a couple good jobs through that. So don't forget to nurture relationships with the people around you who might have connections to the type of people who would want to hire you. And that's what networking really is. It's, it's utilizing your network and relationships, whether it's friends or family or coworkers to help build your personal, your personal wealth, personal capital, I guess you could call it. Um, so, so think about that. Uh, also think about building a portfolio. So I have a portfolio at narrowbridgemedia.com. That's the parent company that owns all of my online properties. And I'm the owner of that. So, so it's, it's just me. I know it sounds like a big company, but Narrowbridge Media is just me. But if you go to narrowbridgemedia.com, you can see my online portfolio of all of the websites I work on, a, a, a listing of some of my writing clients and links to posts that I've done and all of the projects I have. And having a portfolio like that is great because if you're working with a potential client, you can say, oh yeah, take a look here. Here's some great work I've done. But I've also had people find that website through maybe a, a little link on the footer of a client that I've worked on. And they'll go to narrowbridgemedia.com and they'll go through and see my portfolio and say, oh, this Eric guy's all right. He's done some cool work. I'm going to contact him. And I've had a couple of good jobs come in that way. So having a good portfolio that can showcase the best of your skills and abilities is a, um, is a great thing to, to have in your, in your back pocket. It's a good way for people to find you. And it's a good way to do what I want to talk about next, which is raising your rates. So as I said, I started around you know, $10, $20 a post. Now I can get posts often in the $100 to $300 a post range. I, I can't say what I get paid by each individual client, but I've had um, 
several po- several clients paying me in the $300 a post range. And I know people making quite a bit more than that. You know, I'm on the in the low to middle end for a lot of freelance writers and uh, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not a full-timer. So uh, if I were full-time, I'd probably you know, be able to enhance my skills more and charge more. But based on the time and work I put in, that that's a very good rate and I'm very happy with it. So think about what you can do once you've found that first client or if you have paying clients already to find new clients that'll pay you more or finding a way to raise your rates on your existing clients. Now, if you have a really good long-term relationship with a client, you're not going to want to come around to them and say, oh, I want you to pay me $50 more. Howdy, howdy, howdy. You know, <laughs> that's not going to fly. But you know, if you can raise your rate maybe 5% per year and be clear with that, um, that you plan to do that once you get that relationship developed, that's a great way to keep building your rate to cover cost of living, things like that. Or you can you know, just go out there and find higher paying clients and you can always come back to a client if it's becoming difficult for you to manage your workload and keep them on and they have the lowest rate, even if they've been around a while. You can say, oh, I, have, I have clients now paying uh, paying X rate. You, I charge you Y rate, which I have for a long time. Can you now pay X rate? Can you increase it closer to that rate? So we can keep working together. You know, there's it's a back and forth negotiation. But if you do come to a client asking for a higher rate, you have to do that knowing there's a risk you could lose that client. And to some extent, you have to be willing to walk away if they won't pay your rate. Otherwise, you'll uh, you'll look like you're kind of spineless, and um, you, you don't want to have a reputation for that. You want to you know charge what you're worth. And if people aren't willing to pay that. Um, as long as you can find the new clients who are willing to pay it, it's okay to let some clients go. And uh, and that's that's just part of the business of, of freelancing. You, you you don't always have your clients forever, though. I've had some clients for well over a year, and I, um, I love those relationships. I work well with them, and some of them are below my new rate. But because the workload is easier, my hourly rate ends up being about the same. So I'm willing to take you know, half per post if the post takes half as much work. So, so think about that, your, your hourly rate that you end up getting for, from each client. So let's say you're doing really well, your portfolio is growing, your rate's growing, you have a good stable of clients, um, you're getting stable income. I guess the next big question is, should you go full time? And for me, the answer so far has been no. I actually almost went full time once on accident. I'd, last year, one day I lost a job and um, you know, it, it was definitely a tough experience, but it was an easier experience because I knew when I walked out the door that I was still making, you know, I, w- I was on track that year to my my best income last year, which was about $30,000, almost to the dollar. And I keep saying that number, but it was, um, it was, it was really close to that within, uh, I think it was within 10 or $20 of 30,000. It was, it was pretty, pretty crazy to see it that close. So I was on the way to that year and I was, thinking, oh, I'll be okay. You know, I, I can't quite afford the lifestyle I've been living. But if I really kick butt and bring on new clients and keep raising my rates and following my own advice, I can do this full time. And it was a total coincidence about two hours after I got home, I got a note from a from a recruiter here in Portland who ended up calling the job she called about was the job that I have today. And we have a, you know, it's a great company and a great manager and I have no plans to pick up and leave anytime soon. But I 
did think about for that month, oh, could I do this full time? I definitely think I could have. And I look at a lot of my friends, which um, a lot of them are from that personal finance community I've talked about, who have gone full time. Actually, last week I was hanging out in a bar with uh, Stephanie Halligan. She has a website called The Empowered Dollar. And she uh, started her blog all about personal finance stuff, similar to me. But she differentiated herself by writing or drawing these really cool comics all about personal finance topics. And it really helped her blog explode to this huge popularity. And people started hiring her to speak at their events and to draw comics for their websites and their companies. And she was able to go full-time with that. And that is totally awesome. I've also talked to uh, to a couple other people. One A few months ago, we interviewed Melanie Lockhart. She used to be a staff writer on this site and has her own site called Dear Debt. She went through a huge roller coaster and was having a tough time financially a lot because of her career path. She was working in nonprofits. And the year she left her nonprofit job to freelance full-time, she made more money than she would have made in the full-time job. So, you know, it depends. If you're making 100000 a year, it's going to be harder to, you know, beat your income freelancing. But if you're in a nonprofit sector or, or a low-paying job, it, it could... Uh, pretty quickly become a primary income source and, and maybe even be a full-time job. Now, for me, you know, I, I just, at this point, I don't think it's the right thing for me. I have a, I have a baby girl on the way coming this November. Um, I'm hoping we'll be happy and healthy. And the health insurance part of the, uh, the equation makes it really you know, something to think about if you're going to leave a job to go full-time freelancer. With when you have a full time job, you know, thanks to Obamacare, you you should have pretty good benefits if you're working at a big company, um, which I am. I'm at a company with you know well over ten thousand employees. So our health insurance is it's not the best I've had from every company I've worked at, but it's pretty darn good. Uh, something's changed though with Obamacare. It used to be if you were a freelancer, getting your own health care was really really difficult and very expensive because you didn't get the benefit of a group policy. Now with the new online marketplaces, Obamacare actually makes it quite a bit easier to get health insurance. So that's less of a factor than it used to be. But for me, with a child on the way, I mean it's not just me I'm taking care of, or just me and my wife um, with with a baby on the way, having that extra safety net of uh, both a steady income and healthcare and are are a big thing. I also really enjoy the retirement account matching that I get from that job. You don't get retirement account matching when you're a freelancer because you are the only one funding your retirement account. So and there, there's some perks and benefits of full-time jobs you don't get as a freelancer. But as I said earlier on, you can travel and live and go anywhere in the world in your own schedule and, and do your thing. And you know, some employers, you know, the Google and tech companies are, are allowing a lot more remote work than um, than we used to see. But you know, still a lot of companies want you to come into the office every day. And that's definitely a downside of having an office job, unless you can work at home and, and do your thing like that or work from whatever city you want to in the world. Um, yeah, so that that's really the the big the big topics I wanted to cover today. Thank you for being a part of it and listening. If you have any questions about the topic, you can leave comments in the uh, in the post comments at, as I said earlier, personalprofitability.com slash episode 14. You can send me an email, eric at personalprofitability.com. You can send me a tweet. I'm at Eric Profits, E-R-I-C-P-R-O-F-I-T-S, Facebook, all the social media accounts. Um, 
Thank, I hope you really can um, go make your first freelance dollar or improve your freelance dollars. If you do, um, please send me your story. I'd love to talk to you about it. I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to be inspired by it because you guys are all awesome and can do amazing things. Before I go, a couple quick favors I'd love to like to ask you. Um, first, if you go to personalprofitability.com and click on the listen button for the podcast, it's on the bottom half of the page. There's a link in there to amazon.com that goes through through my link. If you happen to be shopping at Amazon anyway, I would love it if you go through my link. I get a little kickback if you go through there. It helps support the efforts that I'm doing here. It doesn't cost you a penny. I wouldn't ask you to do any more spending on Amazon than you would normally do. But if you're going to go anyway, eh, might as well throw me a buck or two, right? I'd really appreciate it. Also, if you like what you hear, please go to the iTunes store or Stitcher and leave a rating. Those ratings help other people discover this podcast so they can you know, learn this awesome stuff too. You know, No reason to hoard it for yourself. It's uh, it's free for the whole world. Um, thank you again so much for being a part of it and listening all this way to the end. Um, and uh, until next time, stay profitable. Thanks for listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on iTunes or share it with a friend.